0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mixtape Mixtape.
1: Podcast, podcast.
0: I'm your host, Julia.
1: And I'm your host, Mike.
0: Each episode, we pick a topic and make you a mix.
1: What's this week's topic, Julia?
0: Uh, Literally my favorite music genre in the whole wide world.
1: Is <laughs> it show tunes? Yes. No. Is it, uh, is it industrial music? Yes. Is it third wave ska?
0: No, oh wait, I mean
2: yes. Yay, third wave ska. (laughs) And now the curtain has gone up on another unique attraction, ska music. Pick it up. Back then it was like the people that liked the music loved the music.
0: We got lucky, we were in the right place at the right time. Holy
2: Ska music, do you know anything about ska music? Ska music, never heard of it.
1: We are back with a full episode. Can you imagine, like, quarantine full episode? These are getting rarer and rarer.
0: I know. It's weird. Like, the more time we kind of have to do an actual full episode, the less we actually want to do a full episode.
1: Yeah, it's like you're out doing things, and, uh, you know, I'm too busy listening to music to actually do a podcast about listening to music, so... I've
0: really been listening to so much more music lately. Like, I sew all day or I read all day, so I just... That's all I have on is Spotify,
1: yeah. And if you uh, the kids don't know out there, we've actually uh, Julia has taken upon herself to make mixtapes for uh, charity, charitable causes. So oh, yeah. um, we're doing a, a, tra- a black trans lives matter um, uh, is the cause. But and what's the organization called, Julia?
0: It's a GoFundMe for black trans women's homeless fund. Got it. So, again, black trans women are one of the most vulnerable uh groups in america right now are in the world yeah there's and uh the, the most
1: the most uh the most statistically most murdered yes. <laughs> which is terrible uh, so
0: it's frightening it's terrible and a lot of women or trans women are homeless like they can't get jobs they can't mm. you know discrimination is actually discrimination against trans women was just blocked right like wasn't there something that went through like you can't discriminate against lgbt people. you can't
1: discriminate against lgbt lgbt you can't be fired for being for your sexual ah. preference at work so regardless what, yeah. yeah even which getting is a, a big job step is difficult. which is a big yeah. step
0: you know totally so, so what we're doing is um if you donate ten dollars to our podcast i'll make you or we'll make you a custom mixtape either of one of our episodes that we've done in the past or any genre or mood that you want and yeah you then, can pick a
1: pick a topic like uh oh i liked your guys's beach ep-. somebody said that they liked the beach episode we did the beach music episode yeah. so we picked some songs from that and some other ones that we've been listening to uh and put together a little mix well julia did it i just i inputted use these three songs and she did the rest so i'm not going to take credit <laughs> for her hard work but.
0: so then uh you get a cassette and you get the Spotify playlist link. I'll send you your own personal link so you can listen to it on your own. Because not everyone has a cassette player anymore. And then 100% of the proceeds goes towards the Black Trans Women's Homeless Fund, GoFundMe. So That's awesome. we're not taking any money in this. It's all going towards a good cause. And it's fun. Like Our whole purpose of this podcast is to make mixed tapes it's what we love doing so we enjoy doing it no matter what and then you guys get something out of it too
1: it's a get to for us but if we can help then that's great yeah so. totally but i'm really excited today as i know you are as well uh yes. because uh it is the third wave sky episode so the third episode Finally. about ska music um we've had the traditional first wave uh and then uh episode and then we had after shortly after that we had the two tone era and now we're in the third wave, which brings us to uh, the late '80s and all through the '90s. And so it's really great. Actually, we have a guest today. To Finally, we have a uh, let's say, <laughs> let's call him an authority. Let's call him an authority, mainly because <clears throat> he wrote, he did the movie about it. He did the documentary yes. about '90s ska music. And so, uh, uh, actually, a very good friend of mine. This is a. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Morden's here and I just want to read this because he wanted me to read his bio. So so it says, Hi, I'm Taylor Morden. I'm a Virgo, 38 years old, grew up in San Francisco, moved to Oregon, played trumpet in a ska man. Now I make movies. Winky winky. <laughs> <laughs> I so, feel
0: like I know you now.
1: So Taylor, welcome.
0: Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, thanks for being
1: here. Awesome. Awesome to have you, dude. So let's talk about um uh, let's talk about picking up ska in the nineties. Um real quick. And what, what, uh, kind of possessed you? Cause I know, uh, a little bit about the process of how you, what it took to make the film. So what, what possessed you to make the movie and, and why did you want to do it?
2: Well, I've been, uh, for more than half my life, I've been kind of obsessed with third wave sky. I've been playing it. I've been, you know, I'm, I'm a trumpet player. I started when I was eight years old. So 30 years ago, I picked up a trumpet and 20, Five years ago or something, that turned into playing in ska bands, and it's been, I mean, it's not just a kind of music that I love, but it's really important in my life, you know. It's taken me around the world, and almost all of the coolest people I've met and my best friends came through ska music, so when I got into filmmaking later in life, it just seemed like a no-brainer, like I had made a movie asked a bunch of friends what my second movie should be about and they were all like you idiot make a ska movie what's wrong with you
1: <laughs> yeah awesome <laughs> yeah the uh so so the ska movie itself i think that that is the over underlying theme of all of it is the community of the actual genre right where it's uh we're all kind of in this together in the early days everybody's who's listened to this podcast and who knows me personally knows about what we would do, everything was DIY back then, you know? So yeah, I think it's really great that the movie itself kind of had to be a little DIY uh, as well. Talk about how that all happened, about how you, you know, the first parts of the movie and how you decided to get it funded and all that.
2: Yeah. Um, so it started with me and Ray Master Giovanni, who was the bass player in one of my ska bands 20 years ago. Um, he was the one who suggested that I make the movie, and I said I'll do it, but you have to do it with me, because that's a lot of work. And uh, we really we started with nothing except a few connections, a few people we knew from the scene back in the day. And Ray worked more in ska music, more in Japan, but he kept in touch with, you know, uh, T-Bone and Angelo from Fishbone, and a few other people. We were in touch with Darren from Goldfinger. And so we kind of just said, well, we don't have any money, but we can just drive down to Southern California and start interviewing people and see what we get and start this process. So we did, and we were sleeping on couches and, you know, just stringing it together with what we had. And then we took that footage and put together a Kickstarter campaign that ended up kind of really taking off. And we found all the support from the Ska community that, You know we kind of knew was there but we were really blown away by everybody's um kind of excitement for the project and then it was able to grow into a much bigger thing we shot in you know five countries and talked to pretty much every band of note from (laughs) late 80s and 90s ska and we put something together that i think is is pretty great and people seem to really enjoy
1: well uh, you know as a uh as a performer in that scene, I have a different perspective than Julia may have as a fan of that scene. Um, But uh, as a performer in there, I I honestly, full disclaimer, you know, I jumped on board a little before the Kickstarter. I really wanted to see the movie made, Um, but I, I wanted, uh, I just wanted the story told. I, I I think that ska as a genre itself is a little less talked about uh, in the grand scheme of things. And it's such a beautiful message even now it's relevant. And the sad part is it's relevant, more relevant today than it was in the 90s and 80s. Really, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but it's just as relevant for sure. Um, you know, a message of unity and uh, togetherness and, you know, reciprocity and love. I mean, it's really it's really a great a great genre that I, I think it's kind of swept under it as part of reggae or part of something else, you know. So, and we'll go if you're if you're an avid listener of the podcast, you know the difference now between reggae and ska. So yeah.
2: <laughs> But And on top of that, in the ska genre, third wave ska gets a particularly bad rap, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's often the butt of the joke, and that was another yeah, big yeah. reason we wanted to make the movie was to say, yeah, it can be silly, it can be you know, not taken very seriously, but to a lot of people, it means a lot. Oh, absolutely.
0: And as a fan of the show, it that film actually meant a lot to me because I spent so much time, I had, you know, groups of friends that introduced me to the music, but growing up, I spent so much time trying to explain to people what ska music was and who these bands were and what these concerts were or shows that I was going to all the time, and... It was like, look, look, this is it. Like, watch this, and this is this will tell you my whole adolescence in this film. This is what the, I loved.
1: Yeah, and the great thing about the movie is it really transcends. I mean, we had, uh, you know, uh, my girlfriend Christina's parents watched it. It uh, went to a screening that I put on, and they came out understanding, understanding what it was. Like, wow, mm-hmm. this is really great. And also, I didn't realize that that was ska. I really like this. I really like that song. I really like a lot of the other stuff. So... Like she hit me up the other day. She goes, "I heard a song that would be great for Bite Me Bambi to play." Well, uh, you know, it's a cover song and it was it's uh Saturday in the Park. Do you know the song?" I'm like, "Yeah, the Chicago tune. Yeah, I know the song." And she goes, "I think it could be a ska song. I think you guys are missing an <laughs> opportunity here." <laughs> like <laughs> like all right. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to write that down on the list of covers. We're going to, we're going to tackle that one. (laughs) Appreciate it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, It was
0: nice. Sorry. It was nice just to watch a movie and tell people or have people understand that it's not punk with horns or it's not like, it's not the original reggae music or it's not fast reggae music. Like it's, it's its own thing.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That, I think there's a lot of comedy to it, too, if you follow the genre at all. And I'm, I'm sure that if you're listening to this and you follow the genre, you've seen it. I'm sure at this point, like you probably have. Uh, it's available right currently on Amazon for purchase, but also for on Prime as well. Right, Taylor?
2: Uh, I think so. Amazon is having some COVID related issues these days, but it's oh. it's up there. Um, people can stream it. It's on Vimeo, too. And all the links are at ScottMovie.com.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, so cool. it's the tradition for the show that the guest, the guest usually picks the topic, but this time the topic picked you. So, uh, <laughs> but the, the guest will always play the first song. So, what song do you have for us? When you think of like, think of something that got you into third wave ska. What what band? What track comes up first in your mind?
2: That's tough. That's a tough. Uh, it really is. I know. Tough call, there's not really a first, but I think there's a a most prevalent to me, and I think, um, you know, thinking about this today, coming up with this, I was like, what's the song on any mixtape that I would put early on that says, this is third wave ska, and also triggers something in people's brains that go, oh yeah, this is third wave ska, and I think for me that's Rancid's Time Bomb. (laughs) Make a then you better come in It's just the ability,
0: that reason that We're so thin Living and dying and the stories that are true Secret to a collapse though it when you're through Black coat, white shoes, black hat, Cadillac Yeah, the boys are time uh. Black coat, white shoes, black hat, Cadillac
2: Yeah, the boys
0: are time uh. For me, Rancid is one of those ultimate bands that they crossover genres for me too and uh I think everyone just loves them, so I think it's really hard to hate that band. Yeah, there,
1: there are, there are generations clash. They, they really are. I mean, they're just so good, and the fact that they cross, o- cross over different genres. To be honest, the first time I heard Rancid, I heard, um, oh God, what did I hear? It was, it was a punk song, and I thought, okay, well that fits like the image. But then I heard Time Bomb, and I remember thinking, wow, this is like. Not only do they do Scott, but they do it so well. And then I of course I, I researched it. it was like, oh, that's Operation Ivy. <laughs> Some of the guys on <laughs> Operation Ivy. Oh, that's why. Okay, great. But you know, the fact they get they get great musicians to play with them too. On that, mm-hmm. I believe uh Vic from um from the Slackers plays keyboard on that. Uh, you know, so it's just a yeah, just a just a really great, really great choice. Well, um, I think that's a good one to start. Julia, where where are you at with it? What do you? <laughs> no, got?
0: I think you should go first. Oh, me? Yeah.
1: Okay, I'll go first. I don't care. Um, I have do it. eh? So uh, I got a little story behind mine. Um, so growing up in Orange County, uh, we were tight with everybody from No Doubt, and uh, we and I'm not going to play No Doubt just because we have played them ad nauseum on this show. I mm-hmm. think, um, and I don't consider that No Doubt that I listened to to be very Sky. More of a Soul Band when I was into No Doubt. But uh, one, there was a, I'm going to plug him, I'm going to plug him because, and he's part of the movie too, because he deserves to be plugged for this reason. Uh, Tazy Phillips used to have a ska show called Ska Parade, it was on Saturdays, KUCI, you could hear it just past the parking lot, and if you stood (laughs) on your roof in the city of Anaheim where where I was a kid listening, and um, we didn't have uh, a reference point, there was no real internet to get on when I got into it, and so... Um, we would record Scott Parade to hear what songs were Scott songs because we didn't know. Like, we knew the specials, we knew that stuff, but we didn't know, like, okay, who's a contemporary? And so one of the first cassettes I ever recorded off a Daisy show, he played this song by Skank and Pickle uh, called I Miss the Bus, which is just, it's it's right there with the wacky third wave, you know, plaid and checkers sound, uh, if, if you could call it that. But here's I Missed the Bus by Skank and Pickle.
2: Again at 5 o'clock, to go to work at 9 o'clock It takes me an hour to stick my hair up But
0: why? Why do I always miss the bus? I miss the bus I miss the bus again I miss the bus I
2: miss, I miss the bus, bus again Now what miss
0: the bus? I don't know or Were you up late last night? I guess so And were you watching TV? Uh-huh what? I mean, I love Mike Park. He yeah. married my he married my husband and myself. You Aww. know, he he officiated our wedding, which is such a great like thing that he does on the side, like that. So I just I have a soft spot for Mike Park and Asian Man Records in general.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, he didn't marry me, but <laughs> I, think, uh, I actually flipped out because uh, this was that was what eight years ago. That wasn't that long ago. 2012, yeah, eight, yeah eight, years ago. eight years ago. So I remember being in line for food at or uh, for the bathroom, actually, at Julia's wedding, and Mike Park was standing behind me, and I flipped out like a child. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, oh my god!" And I took a photo. I actually have that photo, so Julia will post it for the yeah, for the episode, that'd be good. The uh, Mike and I, but uh, yeah, no, just just a great. I mean, the thing about that about Third Wave Sky, I think, especially when you hear a band like that it's deceptively approachable right like they don't you don't realize how hard it is to do that until you're doing it but it sounds like oh yeah like me and my buddies can do this we know a guy who plays sax we know a guy who does that and Mm -hmm. and let's just do this right am am i alone in that or you guys feel the same way
2: that happens all the time i remember i played in a lot of different ska bands and i feel like it's always like the drummer or the guitar player where you're like you play guitar come do this but it's way harder than it sounds like it is exactly
1: I was in a band with a dude uh, in a ska band and uh, he was a metal drummer like Avenged Sevenfold was his deal was his jam and to try to get him to play like a Hepcat open hi-hat beat was so difficult like it was like no just leave it open no just leave it open and just hit it lighter just hit it lighter (laughs) it's really really difficult but anyway uh, well Julia you're up so what do you what do you got
0: so I was always a fan of female fronted bands female singers and bands it's like I just loved seeing girls on stage. And, Is there a you know, Meal
1: Ticket or DHC thing coming up here?
0: See, I played Meal Ticket in our last episode. You did. And I'm yeah. kind of pissed because I feel like I wasted that. But um, I'm going to play another band that you know popped into my head while I was putting my playlist together. And I haven't heard them in so long. I think the first time I heard them was on Ska Sucks, that compilation that came out. And it's the band The Usuals. Oh, okay, yeah. I think they're from Florida, so not necessarily a Orange County Sky. I Indiana. know them from
1: the comp. I don't know anything else about them.
0: Yeah. I don't remember too much about them either. I just remember loving their music, and it wasn't so much um, like ska punk. They were more traditional revival-type band like Hepcat. So let's go ahead and hear Heartbreaker. This one's a heartbreaker,
2: I'll tell you truth. Yeah, I I love that song, and I it's just I probably haven't heard it in twenty years. Right?
1: Yeah, that that brings us to that. I I think it's great too, and I the fact that I think it might have been easier to do a ska punk band back in those days, and to do a really good traditional band is pretty tough any on its mm-hmm. own, and especially at that time, it's like it seemed to me like everybody was playing uh ska punk ska punk like stuff and more traditional stuff that that would be like reserved for the opening bands or, you know, if it was an afternoon show or something for, for whatever reason, they had their own seat. They had their own seat. Yeah. But uh, like, that that comp was awesome.
0: I love that part in the movie where Hepcats talking and they're telling about, you know, they're on tour, I think actually with meal ticket or it th- might've
2: been dance hall crashers, I, I think dance, dance hall, hall crashers. crashers. Yeah. That's
0: what it was. And it was somewhere in the Midwest and like the first night of the show or night one, like they're playing and the audience is just standing still and doesn't know what to do with them yeah. and you know they're in an interview the next day and they're kind of trashing the audience and you know the interviewer goes they don't know what to do with you guys like they've never seen this before this is not what they're used to and they don't you know have how to, to dance they don't know how to dance like teach these white kids how to dance and um and i love from it from that day I, that's on did that yeah
2: that's one of my, <laughs> they, yeah, they my favorite career. things
0: of watching them play is their dance routines i love it
1: well, Hepcat. For those who are, don't know, I, I can't imagine that you would be this long into this podcast if you didn't know them. But uh, for, for those of you who don't know, Hepcat is a traditional, more of a ska band, traditional ska band. But really found their steam in the '90s. I mean, they were. I played with Hepcat several times. Like they were. They were. I mean, they still. They still are a great band. And, and when they get back together and play, they're amazing. So um, that's a, that's another example of how accepting the scene is. Yes, Real Big Fish was huge. Yes ska punk was big operation ivy was big of course yes but there was also room for all these different styles all these mm-hmm. different flavors of the genre which is awesome so yeah very cool that's uh that at what point of the process uh taylor when you were doing uh, doing the movie did you get hepcat and was that like a big win for you
2: uh it was i gotta say i was less familiar with hepcat from the 90s you know i'm definitely more of the ska punk Listener, you know, I had Hepcat on several compilations and loved it, but I wasn't, you know, playing their records all the time. I was listening to The Real Big Fish and The Less Than Jake and The Goldfingers of the World. Um, so that for me, it was early in the process. I think it was the end of that first trip down to California, and just listening to their stories was actually really eye opening to me because I didn't know that side of the. Of the story of the more traditional bands. And um, I, that was some of the most exciting parts of making the movie was learning these things that I didn't know. You know, I only knew right. playing in ska punk bands and you know, playing with other ska punk bands regionally and then internationally, but I didn't know, you know, the nuances. And Hepcat, first of all, those guys are great storytellers too. Oh, for yeah. sure. on top of being amazing musicians, but you get Alex and Greg sitting down spinning a yarn and it's, um, it's a so sight to see.
1: So when I was a, when I was a kid, uh, I was probably, I don't know, 18 and, uh, I was in a band called the Schmedley's and we, uh, we got to open for some pretty big bands. Right. And, uh, the Scott Punk kind of a thing had a trombone player, two trombone players actually. And, you know, we we're kind of like Op Ivy, but, uh, we got the call really late on a saturday it was probably like i don't know five or six in in the evening or five in the evening and like hey man if you guys can make it to san diego by eight then you could play with hepcat and the dancehall crashers and i was like we'll make it we'll make it we'll get there mm-hmm. we'll get there and we jammed and we made it we actually just rolled right up on stage and dude i swear to god like nothing better i rolled into the uh we rolled into that place and, and it's packed out in San Diego. We'd never played San Diego before. And I walked to the backstage and there is a, I mean, just a cloud of weed smoke just comes out. <laughs> and I remember seeing Craig there and he just looks at me and he goes, he goes, are you lost young, young blood? <laughs> and, like, and I'm like, and I, you know, I've shaved head. I've got an Argyle sweater on. I'm like, I'm like, Nope, Nope, Nope. And I was like in awe of them. And then, um, Uh, uh, Elise Rogers comes up to me and she goes the stage is the other way the stage is the other way I'm like oh okay cool and I just turned around and walked out I'm like oh my god that was Elise from the Dancehall Crashers I was so excited but just to be like just to be in the same room with a lot of those guys they were were kind of like heroes you know so and you know it's a whole other story the power ends up going out and it was a whole other thing but (laughs) but it was a it was a really good really good first time first introduction to that band for sure so, uh, well, Taylor, what do you got next? You, you're up. So, uh, what's uh, next on your list?
2: So I wanted to go all the way back because every podcast I do, every magazine interview about the movie, everybody asks, like, how did you get into Scott? What was the first thing you heard? And I had this very vivid memory of sitting in Mr. Fitz's science class and, uh, <laughs> my friends were all good old Fitzy. Yeah. Fitzy. <laughs> he's, he's since passed, uh, Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. P. Long time. Ago. <laughs> uh, it was old back then, um, but a lot of my good friends were um, very religious. They were Christian kids, and they were only allowed to listen to religious music. And so I know exactly where you're going with this, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't into it, but you know, we would always swap CDs because they weren't allowed to listen to or tapes at the time. Um, they weren't allowed to listen to what I was listening to, and I was just curious, like, what is this? who is this MXPX you speak of? (laughs) And, And we would swap and listen to each other's stuff. And this one day in science class, we were allowed to have some free time. And I got this Five Iron Frenzy tape or CD from my friend and I put it in and I had heard Rancid before and I had heard, you know, Ska out in the world. But this was the first time I heard it with trumpets and I was a trumpet player. So this was where I made the connection to like, oh, that school band instrument I've been lugging around could do something cool and uh, do this punk rock music with horns, as we, you know, like to say. And uh, that band for me was Five Iron Frenzy and the album Upbeat and Beatdowns, uh, Upbeats and Beatdowns, and the song Cool Enough for You, I thought, you know, it wasn't too preachy, didn't have too many of the Jesus lyrics in it, and uh, I could really get into it, so this is that.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I really like five iron i i always have i have a connection to them anyway so i think that's uh i think that's a really good choice that album was actually pretty big and to there's there's so many stories whether it be from the mad caddies from other bands that have played with them where uh you know fans will get bummed out on an opening band because it's not christian and singer from five iron will go out and, and set things right for you and, and then everybody's on board it's like it's it's so cool there's are such a great band um uh, and uh, to be as big as they got, they ended up opening up for like the Beastie Boys in Australia or something <laughs> really? like that. They had a yes, they yeah, had a wow. huge like tour that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we actually lost somebody in Orange County to Five Iron Friends. We lost a, a Sonny uh, who was in a band called um, Jeffrey's Fan Club. He yeah. uh, he quit Jeffrey's Fan Club and started playing guitar in Five Iron, and he's been there ever since. So respect to Sonny because that Sonny's actually like a respiratory therapist who's been dealing with a lot with COVID stuff. So respect to him, but, uh, gotta love the band for sure.
2: Yeah. And their saxophone player, Leonor, who, um, was always nice to me when we would open up for them. And she was just this really rad saxophone player. Um, uh, actually ended up being a producer on the Scott movie cause I knew her from before and I hit her up very early on and she was the one who helped us out cause she knows everybody from touring, you know, from the Scott mm-hmm. against racism tour and all that back in the nineties. So, you know shout out to her for just being awesome
1: yeah she was really cool she she kind of helped with all the filming and all that it it didn't seem like you were far she was far behind anywhere you were when you were shooting on location down here so very cool
0: awesome mike what's next oh for me
1: uh let's see well i was so busy talking about five iron i didn't i didn't really prepare anything Uh, okay i got something Uh, you mean
0: you don't prepare like Weeks in advance, like I know.
1: I I, I hear good things from you guys, and then I'm like, oh, well, I want to do that. I want to do something like that. Um, But uh, I think you couldn't... We can't go too far down this rabbit hole without playing Operation Ivy, because they really started so much of what this genre is now. Uh, You know, I mean, can you mention Third Wave Scott without Operation Ivy? The answer is absolutely not. I mean, there's no way you could do it. So uh, I'm going to pick... It's, it's a safe one, but I'm definitely going to pick Operation Ivy, and I'm going to pick Unity, just because we need some more Unity songs. There ain't nothing wrong with another Unity song. So, <laughs> here it is. There's a wall coming down between my and I. I don't want going no down, down,
0: Taylor, um, after listening to Op Ivy, how did you get, how is Tim Armstrong involved in this? Like he is such a distinct voice and it just sets, it kind of sets a really cool tone and it makes Ska sound really cool when you hear him talk about it. But how did he get involved in the narration of this film?
2: Yeah, it was, it was wild because we were connected to him through Christian from the Aquabats who knows literally everyone yeah. he's um, the most connected man in california i believe uh, and he connected us and tim was real reluctant he had just done another documentary the east bay punk one which is fantastic called mm-hmm. turn it around and i think he didn't like the way he looked on camera or something he didn't want to do on-camera interviews anymore so he's like i'll help you out you know we'll figure something out you know but he's also like really wanted to, he wanted to meet me and kind of like interview me to see if he would help with the movie. So I had to go down. Dude,
1: I'd be like, absolutely. Yes. Hey, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, I was buddy. like,
2: Oh, I get to hang out and prove that I care about Scott. So, um, before he would agree to do anything, he had me come down. I went to his studio and you know, he would agree. He said, I've got these old op Ivy photos and videos you can probably use, you know, whether I'm in the movie or not. So we're going through those. Um, he let me hold the guitar, the Operation Ivy guitar that he still has, you know, that oh, wow. crazy beat up one, but it's left handed. So I couldn't play it, you know, cause he's, uh, plays backwards. Uh, but that was just like a crazy day. And I thought, well, if he's involved with the movie, great. If not, I got this day out of it, you know, like I'll remember mm-hmm. for the rest of my life.
1: Oh, I totally would do that as a fan.
2: Oh comedy, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, a couple days later he's like, yeah, I think, uh, I don't really want to do an interview, but have you hired a narrator yet? Like, can I audition?" he said. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh, <laughs> let, let me think about it, right? Wait, hold you're on. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> First of all, I know what your voice sounds like.
1: <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> second of all, yeah, of course, you're hired. So that was how that went. And then we went back. Uh, he also set up our interview with the interrupters, because of course he's, you know, their, yeah. their dad. <laughs> not really but Basically, yeah but kind of I went back to do that and it was at his studio and you know I showed up a l- little early he's sitting outside with his guitar and he just starts doing ska covers of like old like Motown songs and trying to he's telling me you know any song is better as a ska song and I'm like yeah
0: so love- sitting there cool.
2: I get to do we're singing together you know I'm like singing with mm-hmm. Tim and then just jamming and It uh, it was just one of those life-changing, like, this is the most amazing moment. And he puts down the guitar, and he's like, all right, yeah, this is cool. Hey, you want to meet Flea? (laughs) (laughs) Flea was inside the studio recording trumpet for something, because Flea's also a trumpet player. Um, So then I'm hanging out with Flea and Tim Armstrong, and we're just talking about Fishbone, because we all love Fishbone.
1: Wow, and, you know, dude, that's a great story. Wow, that's a
2: day in my life that I'll never forget. And it happened because of Scott, it happened because of this movie. that's oh, that's, awesome. that's
1: incredible. That's a really great story. I'm jealous of that story. Me too. You know, that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. That's it's so cool that he was out there like doing, oh, well, here's you know, if you if you do sugar, sugar, here's what it sounds like, Scott. You
2: know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah it was like, just yeah. like that.
0: <laughs> Can you cover that song, please?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That yeah, that'd good, good song. yeah exactly. That would be a good
0: song. Yeah, that would be a good one. Well, you know, and it's
1: amazing because he did also did that. Uh, he's done the noisy uh, documentary about ska around the world and all that. His his voice is just so recognizable. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, what a gift to be like, oh, can I audition and narrate? I want me a camera. It's like, OK, that's a total trade off, dude. No problem. And
2: he's also such a, like a wealth of knowledge. He's he has a photographic yeah. memory and he loves Scott music so much all waves, all forms of ska. He's just like, you know, he wanted to add to it, right? We had this great writer write the script, and he's just like, yeah, but we can also, you know, he's just this expert authority, and he's so respected in the genre, you know, both punk and ska, so. I like
0: that he's, it makes me appreciate the film a little bit more that he was so excited about working on something like this, um something that's like near to my heart uh it just makes me like him so much more i've mike were you there when he played like christmas songs like we've seen him do yes. acoustic
1: yeah he he does this charity or he he's part uh what's that thing called julia that we i think to? it's the
0: rock and roll circus or something like that
1: it's muzak or it's muzak muzak that's what it's called. Yeah. yeah so there's this guy zach that does a uh that does a um, charity thing in his backyard in Hancock Park. So, like, old L.A. home with a big, big backyard. And uh, he leans really heavy to Scott. So, like, English Beats played, the full band. Um, who else has played? Uh, I've um, seen
0: Rhoda Dakar, Dakar played the specials, yeah, the specials with the interrupters. Like, with did the interrup- a combo. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's
0: in- uh, insane.
1: And then every year, Tim Armstrong plays... Uh, and it's for charity. It's basically the charity uh, provides musical instruments to uh, convicts and also kids that are uh, that are uh,
0: underfunded, date, communities. Uh, underfunded
1: communities. Underfunded yeah. communities, yeah. So like kids that are basically the guy who started it was a screenwriter for like Community and uh, you know some of these uh, TV shows, New Girl, Simpsons, yeah, stuff like that. New Girl, that. Simpsons, and all those. And he, uh, he, where he, where he lived, there was a, a, a spike in suicides, and there was really nothing. For kids to do there so he would uh, he basically just started buying guitars and cheap guitars and handing them to kids and seeing what would happen and turned that around and so he's in prisons now he's all over the place but he has this charity thing every year and they've got a silent auction it's really cool Uh, but yeah Tim Armstrong plays uh, he climbs up into this oak tree that is kind of fell it kind of fell over and he just brings a little pig nose amp up with him Mm -hmm. and or his guitar and he just plays songs and he does it he just sits up there like 830 at night like it's dark out but people yeah. have their phones and they're kind of lighting him up, and he's very dimly lit. But he'll up there and he'll do like, you know, Ruby So, East Bay Nights. Like he'll he'll just start doing songs, and it's really really cool. It um, was awesome. Really cool. And we've seen it a couple times. He's done it a few times. It's really great. But yeah. Anyway, so uh, so who's next? Me, or Julia? Julia, you. Me. Name. Yeah.
0: It me. It you. Um, let's see. I'm going to play. I'm going to step away from the female fronted bands for a second. We're going to play the Scholars.
1: Oh, LA's Scholars or the. LA. Oh, Orange County Scholars.
0: I think Orange County Scholars.
1: Yeah, the Jesse Wilder's group. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll awesome. say yes. Great. Uh, we're going to play the Scholars. I just love them. I playing love them. Superdollar, what are you playing? I'm playing uh, Girl's Best Friend. Oh, that's a good one. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just hear it. I've said I'd be with her till the end But out of
2: the side of my eye I'm looking at my girl's best friend I know it's wrong But I can only hold it for so long And it's getting so much harder For me to pretend You know, I'm less familiar, but that song was awesome. And that's yeah. that's one of those bands. Here's the thing that happens when you make a movie about Ska. 90% of the comments about it are like, why didn't you have this band in it that I oh, love totally. that you don't I'm love? Sure. And yeah. so that's one of those bands that I've only listened to recently because of comments like that. <laughs> People are like, what about The Scholars? Okay. Well, the Scholars
1: are relatively a small band, but the great thing Ooh. about The Scholars is it has Jesse Wilder in it. And Jesse, um, I... So... The lore in Orange County, when all these songs, Real Big Fish songs are being written kind of in that scene, is that Jesse wrote a lot of, helped write a lot of those songs. And Aaron, it was in the Scholars. Aaron played trombone in the Scholars. Uh, he's actually, his vocals are on there too, like the screen yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it,
0: it totally sounds like Aaron and yeah in, in these songs. So Aaron
1: is a member of the Scholars, for sure. And uh, so, like, I I don't I don't know how accurate all that is, but... I believe that uh, she has a girlfriend now and b- some of the big songs Jesse wrote.
0: There's so. a couple of, like, girlfriend-related Real Big Fish songs. Yeah, exactly,
1: like, exactly, because they are all in love with the same girls, so <laughs> <laughs> same girls, plural. So, I yeah. wonder, if
0: does that, like, make Scott a little incestuous where you have all these bands, even you, Mike, like, you go from this band to this band to this band, oh, like, sure. everyone's playing music and does it make it, like you were saying earlier, Taylor, like... Hey, you play trombone. I need you to, you know, sub in for me tonight or. Oh
2: uh, man. Yeah. As horn players, that happens all the time. Yeah. I'm sure Mike for you playing keys and stuff. That's gotta be yeah. like, well, f- I, I think when I
1: was doing it, we were so ancillary. Like we were so, um, we were so busy doing our own thing. I never got really got asked, but if the, the, the time the, uh, if the issue ever was arise, I absolutely would. So, like you know, mm-hmm. I'd love to play with other bands just just because like the guys I was in my band with I'd known since I was eleven years old. Like you know, I just want some variety. Let's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> play with somebody else. <laughs> and and as an adult playing in ska bands, that's exactly how it is. I mean, you know, play out play on this album. Okay, great. Can you lay down a track for this? Okay, great. You know, we that's just how it goes. And and a lot of it's credited, a lot of it's uncredited. It's just it, it whatever it takes to to kind of get the final product done because. You know that they're gonna be there for you one day. I mean, I play keys on a manic Hispanic record. I've played <laughs> played accordion on that. I've you know, we've done stuff for different projects. I it's like just to get the project done, because you know one day you're gonna need it. You're gonna be tight for a bass player yeah. and you're gonna have to call it a favor. You know, it's just how it goes. So so for sure. But uh awesome. So all right, so moving along, let's go. We got a few more of these to do. So Taylor, what do you got next?
2: So i have a hard time understanding how we got this far without mentioning the mighty, mighty boss tones. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, I
0: apologize.
2: No. it's I didn't <laughs> mention them either. None <laughs> of us did. But, you know, for me as a kid who was exactly the right age uh, to mow a bunch of lawns, save up a handful of dollars, and go to the movie theater and see the movie Clueless in that first yes. weekend and see... The mighty mighty boss tones up on the mm-hmm. big screen. It was one of those life changing moments where you're just like, "All right, this is gonna be cool now. We're all we're all on the same page, you know. Yeah. This is yeah, this is an amazing well, thing. So, so that, what
1: you're gonna play? Where did you go? Is that yeah? Where did you
2: go from the clueless soundtrack? Even though they had much. Bigger songs and songs I even like more. That one I feel like made the biggest difference in my I life agree. and a lot of people's I, lives.
0: Totally.
1: I totally agree that that song, when it was you saw it there on the screen, it was like, oh shit, wow, this is, wow, this is, it's in a movie. Like yeah. one of our songs is yeah. in a movie. This is yeah. great. It was like we all had a song in a movie. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it was great. <laughs> all right, well, here's Where'd You Go uh, by the Mighty Mighty Boss Where did you go Where'd you go?
0: you mentioned uh like finding like what started it for you i think this movie is what started it for me and hearing this band um this movie came out in what 95 i was probably in sixth grade 94 i don't know i think i think it was 95 um so seeing that band on stage i was like i like that that's what i want to listen to more and that's you know no doubt kicked off at that year too and that's kind of when all of that started for me and it really kicked off in junior high. But like the end of sixth grade was really, that's, that's what I found. Like, I was just so interesting that there's a guy just dancing and, <laughs> you yeah. know, just seeing people dance to this music too. In the movie, it just was, it all like sealed the deal and put the whole package together for me.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And as a band, as like, I had a, I mean, we had a scab. we released a record in 1995 and uh, to be, you know, all of us had night jobs, and so to go work, um, work, go go to the rehearsal studio at ten or eleven at night and play till one in the morning. You know, we would do that a mm-hmm. couple times a week, and just to put that much time and effort and energy into your scene, and then to see a band like this on a, the screen like that, it was like, wow, this is like, wow, we're all going to get big doing this, like because we're we're on the cutting edge of this, like we're, you know, this is. We're we're like innovating in our area. This is like what we're doing. So, you know, of course, we're all going to get huge. And so, well, there you go. <laughs> and
2: Turns then that out, happened, and here we all. And are. then
1: it happened, and yeah, and then you know, some bands got big, some bands didn't. That's okay. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> Story of my life.
2: <laughs> but, but you no, know, it, they were- what's cool about it too is that at that time, the Boston's had been around for over a decade. You know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's not like with some of these other third wave ska bands where it, it was like. You know, zero to sixty. They earned it. They worked really hard for a really long time, and then, you know, this was their big break, and that that validation too, I think, is really cool. Is that they really did put the time in, and yeah, and no, I agree.
1: A lot of that press came out too. What no doubt broke that year is like, oh, it's a new band, a new year, new band, eleven years in the making. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) so whatever, man, and then. And we'll go. I mean, I plan on playing Goldfinger later if nobody else does, and we'll talk about Goldfinger. And Goldfinger just came out, and they were just their gestation period was much shorter. But to be honest, they they do good work too. So I mean, you know, we tend to respect the bands that that um, have really struggled and 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 uh, and kind of cut their teeth in the scene. But it's that is also not required. I mean, you 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 know, there are bands that do great without that as well. So a good song so, is a good song. A good song is yeah. a good song, but nobody taking nothing away from, uh, the Boston's. I mean, dude, Dickie Barrett was in gang green. I mean, you'll get more, more punk rock than that. Like he was in, <laughs> he was, you know, to, to be in the early eighties in a punk band in Boston, that had to be right on the cutting edge of mm-hmm. what music was doing. So that's pretty great. But, um, well, let's see, uh, since I brought it up, uh, I guess I'll play Goldfinger. I want to, um, to be honest, I think Goldfinger is a very tight band. Um, the only drawback i have is they kind of i think they scooped in i think they needed a band and to test the market for for the major labels and or for, for independent labels and goldfinger was that band and then real big fish came right behind them so you know um they actually played horns all the horn guys played horns on this real big on this goldfinger record uh actually not this one this is their second record and i think it's the better one of the two uh for me anyway and so i'm gonna play um let's play superman just because it's everywhere might as well right biggest ska song in the world on tony hawk right so i think (laughs) highest
2: selling if you count video games as albums it's the highest selling selling
1: right right
2: well it's media
1: and it's out there it came out in 1998 this is their second record it's pretty darn good so here's superman by goldfinger
0: song i've i've never listened to a lot of goldfinger like i i know the hits just because i they were played on k-rock so much when it, growing up so i remember them from that and i appreciate that what's the lead singer's name what's the guy's name john Sorry. feldman okay appreciate him being a part of or bringing uh ska back what two or three years ago for back to the beach and I loved, I felt like Back to the Beach happened, this movie came out, the interrupters were getting big. It felt like, you know, is this going to happen again? Something that I thought no one liked or whatever, like again, it's coming back. Like Back to the Beach was huge. There were so many people there. Like, you know, like, I don't know. It was just, it's really cool to see that momentum coming and continuing.
1: Yeah. And I, I think Feldy really has uh, put his stamp, not necessarily on the songwriting for sure, but also as a producer and a guy who who really did a lot for, for somebody who was new to the genre in 1995. He really embraced it. And and yeah. I think that um, that's great. I think that, you know, it is all we are all welcoming for things like that. So I, I I'm pretty stoked that uh, that he's out there working because uh, he's when he works, man, he works. He, he does good work. So there you go. Yeah. Um, well, okay, cool. So, that Julia, you're next. Who do you got?
0: Um, there's just so much that I want to play. I truly, this is the one genre of music that I enjoy listening to all the time. Like, as an adult, I do, you know, I listen to my snooty, indie, you know, shoegazy music all the time, too. But this is what I go back to when I'm in a good mood or, you know, I'm working or need to get through the day. Um, but we'll just play Dancehall Crashers because we talked about them before. Again. I love a female-fronted band. Lockjaw is such a fun album t- for me. And uh, I'm going to play Don't Want to Behave, which I think, again, I heard this on Biodome. Did anybody see that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I love it. It's so stupid. But, you know, it's Pauly Shore, and I watched a lot of his movies in the 90s. And again, like...
1: The and the juice. <laughs> ah, the Jets, <juice. laughs> The <Juice. laughs>
0: And, like... There was a lot of ska music being played in movies at at that time too. And so I heard about a lot of these bands and from movies as well. So this song I love just because it reminds me of that terrible movie.
1: I'm not gonna lie that I love dancehall crashers because I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Um, got an opportunity to play with them really early on in this in in my ska career at a little club called 369 here in
2: your rear? What's that? Your ska rear.
1: Yeah, my rear exactly. <laughs> and uh, and I remember seeing them thinking, wow, they're so they're they're so fast, like their vocals are so fast and their harmonies are so fast. And their harmonies are a big part of uh, my band, my superhero. We got together. We're like, why don't we just have two singers and be like dance hall crashers? And they were much better, I think, harmonizing than we were. But <laughs> but that that was part of the onus to it was like, you know, let's just, if they can do it, we can do it, too. And, uh, you know, we ended up they I, di- I didn't realize until much later they were a bigger influence. But uh, that Charlie Brown record they had was really great. Um, the compilation record that had like 19 tracks on it or whatever. Yeah awesome and then and then for them to get signed to a major i mean they had a green days manager i think right started uh started that record label way cool and he put them on that and got them signed onto that so that lockjaw record is supposed to be you know really big they've got a couple of really good songs on that so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm down i like it
2: they are great i love the dancehall crashers so much
1: now do I, I noticed that um i noticed that uh, karina was in the Documentary, but Elise wasn't. Did you? Did she just deny it, or would did you get a chance to? She it?
2: passed. She uh, passed. Okay. Her husband <laughs> was our music supervisor, so it's not like oh, she cool. wasn't in on the process, and she's involved. But she's she's just moved on to other things. And I mean, Karina was a big get for us, honestly, because she mm-hmm. doesn't really do interviews either. And she right. was out, uh, I believe, touring with No Effects at the time. All uh, oh, right. Oh yeah. yeah but yeah. we met up with her at. Uh, the fat records office there in the Bay area. And, um, oh cool. It was for me, that was the first moment where I was like starstruck. I was like, (laughs) you know, yeah. Goldfinger, fishbone, sure. Whatever. But, (laughs) but Karina talking about harmonies was like almost brought me to tears because that those harmonies and those songs were so influential. I mean, for all of us, anybody who likes catchy songs, and listen to the dancehall crashers it's no one does those vocal harmonies as good as they yeah. do
1: Yeah I think um, I think you know I, I when I got their CD I think we pulled our money back in those days I got a CD and then we would make <laughs> tapes right for everybody in the group and so uh, I think my my buddy Brian had the CD but I had the cassette that we made of it and the, it, the the CD was too long to fit on a cassette so I had to lose a song and I had to pick one like, Which one I was gonna lose, and so I picked Java Junkie. So, Java the song <laughs> Java Junkie is not even in my like periphery of a dancehall crasher song because I'm like, okay, we'll just take that one and take that one off. And that's it, I think it was just the amount of time that I needed for it all to fit, and so I picked that one. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's crazy. I, I'd be with you too, dude. I um, I've played with them probably three or four times, but I've never really sat down and had a conversation. Or, or been able to talk about music with that. And I think I probably might be starstruck today if I talk to Karina, you know? So, yeah, but uh, that's super cool. Well, um, somebody's got to play less than Jake. <laughs> so is
2: it my turn? I think it's my yeah. turn. Right? Oh, is it? It's oh, your turn. It is your turn. Tell, tell, you what, what. Now turn. You tell you what, I was going to play less than Jake. So. No, you. No, go ahead. You play it. Okay. play um, You know, less than Jake. If you've ever lived in a small town, and wanted to get the heck out of mm-hmm. that town Less Than Jake, right? Less Than Jake They have like which 12 albums play, worth of material uh, History of a Boring Town Which oh, is oh, literally yeah, yeah. Yes. just sums up I think their first few records In one handful of lyrics
1: Yep, awesome Okay, so here's History of a Boring Town
2: By Less Than
1: Jake Funny
2: how life out so fast. It's just another wasted day. A boring life in a boring town.
0: Is one of my favorite albums yeah. of all time. Hell, Rock really, is a great record. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, dude. I Les and Jake has a special place in my heart just because um, years ago there was a guy. I don't think we got him for the doc, but uh, we got this guy Daryl Rubio. He did a he did a comp called uh, Generic Ska. No, was that Generics? No, Stiff I dog have records? that. Yeah, he he did a comp, and uh, we didn't even know what comps were really. It was so early on in the process, and we ended up giving them the worst song ever, like that we had just just because we weren't going to use it. But Less Than Jake was on that comp, and Mu Three Thirty was on that comp, and and you know you name the band, there was like thirty something bands on there. And I remember listening to Less Than Jake and being like, wow, this band's really cool and raw. And then seeing them a number of times, like in you know seeing they were playing. You went to a small town and be like at a coffee house. Less Than Jake would be playing. Or whatever. And so I really respect them. The fact that they got out there and toured and they got, they got a lucrative deal. They signed a capital. They, their A&R guy uh, was courting my band for a long time. He also signed Jimmy World. Um, so he really, really great. But the fact that those guys are able to not only do their own label, right, Fueled by Ramen, I mean, for a mm-hmm. hot minute was the label to that every developmental project went on, right? So their, their deal with Capital is amazing, and the fact that they still are out there doing it. And uh, when they played Back to the Beach, the last the last show, I was in the... I very rarely am in the pit at a crowd anymore, uh, but I was there for less than Jake, and we stayed and watched the whole thing. And I was almost moved to tears by how tight and how good they sounded and remembering what it was like to see them with eight other people watching them and then to see all these people who have built these memories with that band. And they're just... They're amazing, and it, it, it chokes me up thinking, like, wow, this these guys are real artists, what they do. They're amazing. So great choice, dude. Really like the band a lot. Really mm-hmm. like them. But uh, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry, Roy.
0: Don't. <laughs> play your song. Oh, oh not my song. My, Sorry.
1: You play your song, stupid. Okay, great. Um, so nobody's going to play really Fish? I was leaving it up for you guys. It's like the, 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 last, the second last the last round here. I thought Taylor's
2: uh, playing it. I've got one on my list. You yeah. can play Ruben Fish. That's if fine. You, but no, you're good. You know
1: good. you can. No, 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 nope, nope. I'm gonna play one of my favorite bands. I play them all the time on this, uh, and it's because they're great. Uh, but I'm gonna play the Siren Six. Mm. Uh, I think for ska bands, not really third wave per se, but man, a great band and uh, just really super cool. I have a connection with them. I've had them stay at my home uh back in the 90s when they were out here from Minneapolis they're just an amazing band so let's play um hmm. uh, let's play young and professional let's play that nope nope let's play one-sided sorry sorry they're so good they're all so good okay all right let's play uh one-sided here it comes
0: Maybe we're asking for a bit too much We know you must be feeling out of touch It's just that every
1: time we turn around You act like we don't know what's going down
2: And that's it for your evil look You give it to me anyway And that's it for your evil look You give them to us anyway
0: We have been looking for so long now Yeah, we've been looking for like the sirensics. Why why do you say they aren't considered ska?
1: Well, uh, they do a lot of more Elvis Costello power poppy kind of stuff. Mm. But um they are definitely a ska band. So they got a sax player and they're a ska band. So and they got a trombone player, they're a ska band. I'm just telling you right <laughs> off the bat. And I, they also kinda tied in with Less than Jake as well, because again, uh same AR guy uh brought them out and wanted to sign them to Capitol as well. Uh, there was all these bands, and I think the genre just dropped out. I think he was holding a lot of bands, like, "Oh, we we got all these bands we can sign that are great," uh, and you know it ended up being less than Jake and less than Jake, <laughs> yeah. and then less than Jake, and then they picked up Jimmy World at the right time and, and got them, but and thinking it kind of moved on at that point. But because uh, realistically, Taylor, what when you look at it, the the timeline for. The genre. I mean, it's got to be measured in months, not even really years, right? I mean, for when it was white hot.
2: As far as the third wave being, like, being it, I mean... White hot, yeah. like. Yeah, really yeah, I, I call it the summer of ska, right? Yeah. There was yeah. the one summer where Real Big Fish in the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were fighting for, like, number one and number two on alternative radio, and it would go back and forth. And there's a period um, within that month, I think we looked it up for the movie, didn't make it in, but... On the Billboard alternative charts, there were something like 13 of the top 40 were Ska songs. Wow. You know, Bucko oh, wow. 9 was in there. Say Ferris was in there. Two Boston songs were on the charts at the same time. <laughs> Real Big oh, wow. Fish, all these bands, um, and some of the periphery, you know, like people were calling 311 and like these other yeah. bands. They weren't, but at the time, and that was, yeah, it was one summer, maybe six months
1: yeah, that's I would insane. Agree. I would agree with that. I would agree with that being where being white hot now as a as a side genre. I mean, it's been a genre. It's a, a subgenre its whole life. Right. But its whole inception. But for it being white hot where you could hear it on the radio and there was, you know, the, like the image you have of Carson Daly hosting, you know, TRL mm. with the right. with MTV's a skinny tie. Scotter the, Day. Por- yeah, Scotter Day. Oh, exactly. God. Yeah. That that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. But you think about that if you're if you're at a label, and you want to sign the next band, right? Like, oh, you're only as good as your last band. Well, we have less than Jake. It's a touring machine, and they got they have regional radio, and we need another band. What are we gonna do? How much do you have in six months? Like, you don't really have that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, and to, they uh,
2: kind of fell into that thing too, where they tried not being so ska, right? When yeah, they were on the major right. label, less than Jake. Had some singles that did okay that were not ska at all. You know, horn players yeah. are yeah. in the video, yeah, but dope they're man just dope song. Dancing. Remember that where it had turntables and stuff. Yeah, in the, it, like, the remix version of dope yeah, man right. of that dope was man, the yeah, single. Yeah. yeah, things like that where like they gave it a go, but in order to be mainstream, some people in some suits somewhere took out the ska. Yeah, <laughs> it's a well,
1: the, uh the Mashburn will tell you because I can only say this because. He's said it on our podcast, but uh, Brian Mash from St. Ferris was saying that, you know, their A and R guy all of a sudden left or got fired or whatever um, when you know they're an electro wherever they were Sony, and you know then it's like they literally went out and bought ten or twelve ska CDs and gave it to their new A and R person to tell them what the genre was, and at that point it's like oh we know that this is not going well, <laughs> you know <laughs> this is not going to bode well for us. And then they made person modified yeah, yeah. then they made that i guess i don't know <laughs> but anyway okay julia you got it's your turn right
0: yeah um so for me like discovering new bands was all about buying compilation cds like that's they were inexpensive i loved asian man records because they were only 3.99 it said it on the cd cover itself um so ska sucks mail order is fun all of these comps like even um tazy Scott parade did a couple of comps yeah which trust me
1: i had three tracks on one of them i yeah. know all about it
0: <laughs> <laughs> um like uh Quake and all that stuff really like opened up a lot of bands for me and it again it's a good way to discover bands when you're a teenager and you don't have any money to spend before you could steal it off the internet so it was a good way to listen to music and I also feel like I'm obligated to play it because I'm married to uh, yeah. an old ska guy. So my husband, back in the 90s, had a, a record label, Vegas Records. He managed Jeffrey's Fan Club, and they did Punk versus Ska. So I remember this album, and Mike, you're on it, too. Yep. I'm on it. Yeah, I'm on yeah.
1: the
2: album, absolutely. Are you on it, too, Taylor? Maybe. I think there were more than one Punk vs. Scott compilations. Yeah,
0: there was volume one and volume two. I'm on one of them. <laughs> what was your band at the time that you were on it?
2: Double uh, 07. Okay. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think you are one of them. Yeah. I, no, I, I, it's in my yeah. box of comps that I'm on upstairs.
0: Awesome. Um, so one of the bands is Low Pressure. Oh, and yeah, again, okay. it's another female fronted or at least dominant female vocal band. And it's Kids with Guns. And it's such a Funny song, too. Probably not okay now given the current climate of gun control, but at the time it was a good song. (laughs) (laughs) So let's listen.
1: Uh, Low pressure was one of those bands in the scene in Southern California, where they kind of they were the next ones that were coming up. If Real Big Fish and and my band, these other and Aquabats and all that stuff, were playing together, they were the ones that were opening. And so I've seen that band more times than I can count. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, uh, they used to do draw pretty well at the whiskey, actually, in Hollywood. They did a pretty little good little following there. But the singer's name was Jackie O, I think, and I only know that because. I think her and the drummer of my old band hooked up. <laughs>
2: there
1: you go. There you go. So there you go. There's that. Man, uh, I, I don't know. I don't feel, know if that's true, but
0: <laughs> I feel bad for playing that song now, given the whole gun control thing. I really feel like.
1: Hey man, you can't please everybody all the time. And you like the song. We all make choices. You want to have a song sung by an Eartha Kitt soundalike that uh, that you know likes I guns? Do. That's up to you, man. No, I'm just I kidding. Do. They're actually Little <laughs> Pressure's is a cool band. They, yeah, I always liked them because their keyboard player was really fast. I was like, whoa, this guy's quick. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, well, so is this the last round then, or are we? Yeah, we're last round. The last okay. One. okay. All right, Taylor, it's well, your yeah, it's your big bang. How are you I gonna know, end? What do you I got know. We,
2: well, I can't let it end without playing Real Big Fish, because no. No. when you say third wave ska what you're really saying is Real Big Fish and all the bands that tried to sound like Real Big Fish that were lesser than I was in four of those bands that tried to sound like Real Big Fish myself. (laughs) Uh, And listen, if you're listening to this and you don't know Third Wave Ska, Turn the Radio Off is the album you have to listen to. The thing is, you got to listen to the whole thing. So I couldn't pick a song off of Turn the Radio Off because there isn't a song for me. It's the whole album, front to back, it's great. Mm -hmm. But also... To me, Why Do They Rock So Hard is the superior record by that band. It's The songs are all amazing. The production is much higher quality. And it's yeah, just like those songs. And maybe I was just at the right age. That was when I was really playing and touring in ska bands. And like that album came out and I was like, this is, this is how you do this kind of music. Um, so for me, that Real Big Fish song uh, is Somebody Hates Me off of Why Do They Rock So Hard.
1: Got it right here. I know I know the album well. So uh here's uh Somebody Hates Me Why Do They Rock So Hard from Real Big Fish.
2: I just made an enemy meet someone I don't know, and they are upset about something <laughs> that I must have done. It really doesn't make much sense But I got no statement in my defense. But I know no matter
1: Uh, I think the um, obviously the the album sounds so much bigger than the than turn the radio off. But then again, turn the radio off was done kind of on a shoestring. Uh, you know, it it really a lot of the songs were left over from everything sucks from the for the like their first real CD. So I get it. Uh, they 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 did something. They went away real big. And knowing the before and after product, because I'm intimate knowledge of both products. And when they were playing at Milano Music in the big room, and you know, just going through their songs, they were one band. But then when they came back from their first tour, they were a totally different band. Like they, they became something else. And so Rubik Fish really are performers. I mean, back then they would convert people. My brother went and saw He was kind of a metalhead, uh, and he went to see my band play with them in Arizona at this Celebrity Theater. It's a big, like, seven hundred capacity theater in the round and he walked out of there like humming their songs loving that band Mm -hmm. he bought two cds like he didn't give a shit about my band but he loved real big fish you know so uh like you know they that and that's what they do man that's what that band especially back then that's what they did well Uh,
0: even now you have so many real big fish fans that aren't ska fans right yeah that's true. you know like a lot of big dude bros Go to Real Big Fish shows. Dude, bro, well, it's bro. like
2: it's like Aaron says in the movie that a lot of people, you know, ska fans like Real Big Fish, but a lot of people who just like '90s music like Real Big Fish. Like Real Big you Fish, know, yeah, like totally. Yeah. Manson, Marilyn right. Manson, Real Big Fish, mm-hmm. Backstreet Boys, whatever. Um, and so you you get that mix at shows. But I also think that they, like you're saying, Mike, with the way they put on a show and bring people in, they mm-hmm. did that for their band, but they also did it for the genre. Like, people yeah. who had never seen Ska before, the way they put on a show, people would buy their CD, but then they'd be like, Ska, what is Ska? I'm now interested, and I'm going to get this Buck 09 CD, and I'm going to get this Hepcat CD, and this yeah. Dancehall Crasher yeah. CD. And I know a lot of people that that's how they got into Ska was, you know, Ruby Fish was on some radio festival with all these alternative bands, and they yeah. they saw them there, and then... That's how they discovered Scott music.
1: Well, just just to, add one onto that, uh, Aaron was such a big supporter of bands in general. Uh, he would take bands on the road for a long time. My band, I remember he he took. We had this little like foldable merch catalog that was on colored printing paper, like small, uh, that had a you know, hoodie and the albums on it and buttons and whatever. He took that thing. Uh, we were on the road with him, and then went home because we had our, our tour was done. And uh he photocopied like a thousand or more of these things on just regular Xerox paper. And when people would ask him for something or an autograph or whatever, he'd say, Here, buy some of these guys. They're a real Sky band. Here, buy some of these guys. And no joke, dude. I would I would get orders from Manila, Tokyo, like you name it. And there's people and that's Aaron. And that's all Aaron. Like he he loved the scene so much, you know? And and even before they when before they were big, you'd go to see uh You'd be at a show, and Aaron would be in the middle of the crowd on like a Wednesday night with, you know, maybe some some B-level bands or some traditional bands are playing. Aaron's in the crowd, just you'd see his head singing along. He knows all the songs, so really, really a uh, uh, he did he that really for my band with too. On his shoulders,
2: he uh, somehow in the '90s I had his AOL screen name. I don't remember where <laughs> I got it, and I would uh, chat him on instant messenger. Uh, it was like 99 2000 era mm. like and uh, I'd be like hey I'm in a ska band can I can I send you a CD right we just put out our CD and he said sure you know and I sent it to him and he said he liked it I don't know if he even listened to it but he put us on the northwest leg of their tour that year with some 41 and that big uh crazy tour and it was like it was huge for us and I didn't you know we didn't stay in touch or anything I didn't talk to him and then I got in touch with him for this movie and and as we wrapped up the interview I told him that like that he had done that for my band and it was a huge deal for me personally because Mm -hmm. you know I got to be the hero with the band you go to band practice be like hey Real Big Fish has our CD and he likes it and we get to play these shows guys I'm the hero Um, and he was like oh wow that's really cool what's your band because I'm sure he did that for 100 bands I said 007 he's like oh yeah I love you guys I still listen to you I'm like, no, you don't. That's, that is a lie. You do not. (laughs) He went out to his car after the interview, came back, shows me his like first generation iPod with my band on it. And I'm like, okay, that's a really neat trick, but no way you do. Then Mm -hmm. he sings me one of our songs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like he's
2: that, like he's so into the scene that he would, and he remembers our songs 20 something years later. That's
1: Mm -hmm. dude. And, and you know what? That's we're so we're talking about if, if, you're, if you weren't paying attention, we're talking about Aaron Baird from Real Big Fish. But I, I got I to gotta tell you, um, he, so the same guy, uh, my band got back together and reunited in 2011 after not playing for 12 years, however long. And uh, so he gets word out that we're playing, and he hits me up. He's like, I um, just want to make sure you guys' show isn't sold out. And I'm like, oh, it's not sold out, dude. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I just want to make sure because I don't want to miss it. I'm like, I'll put you on the list, dude. He goes, no, 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 no. I want to pay. I want to pay. And then he paid to get in, and he stood He stood in the crowd, and he sang every word to every song. Bobbed his head around in the back with his glasses on. like He was all low-key about it, but he was there. And, man, afterwards, he must have talked to us for an hour just out in front, just mm-hmm. just wanted to reminisce, just wanted to whatever. And, you know, the the first, I didn't even know who he was, the first jolt of validation ever got as a musician, uh, really, is when we were developing uh, uh, the band where we were at this rehearsal studio um, in Garden Grove. And it's late at night. Like I said, it's like 12 midnight or 1 in the morning or something like that. And all of a sudden, we're practicing, we're playing our song, and this dude pokes his head in, and he's looking to us, and he starts bobbing his head. And then he comes in, and he's standing there. I'm like, who the F is this guy? We just played with Real Big Fish, but, of course, I didn't put two and two together. Our first show, we played with Real League Fish. Fish. Uh, and uh, he comes in, and, and we stop, and we're like, hey, man, how's it going? He goes, good. I just wanted to come in and see what a real ska band sounds like. He goes, you guys are awesome. I'm like your biggest <laughs> fan. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, I don't even know who this guy is. And I think our drummer goes, I think he was a singer of that band that headlined the other night. <laughs> i was like damn this guy's crazy and and dude he's been a been a friendly face ever since it's really great dude but all right well we're getting we're running a little long so i'll 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 keep it rolling here yeah
0: what's your Uh, last song
1: my last song i would be remiss without playing it i i don't know if it goes into third wave it does for me uh because it's definitely not two-tone so it goes for me but we got to play fishbone and so i'm gonna play uh the biggest song ever if you're not a fan of Sky, you never listened to it before just listen to this one track and i i defy you but it's a uh, it's party at ground zero by fishbone
2: everybody come along Foreign nation's need to time to sing a song. party at ground zero Every
0: I mean, Fishbone—you can't not like that song. There's so many weird elements to that song, and it goes—it's all over the place. It's like four it different works. songs when you think it totally about it. Is. It's like
1: four different <laughs> tunes. Like if you get that first part, it's like, "Am I gonna walk the plank to this thing? What's going on with this? It's, <laughs> it's amazing, but uh, yeah, just been lucky enough to play with Fishbone a few times. Man, they are—they're just—they don't disappoint. They're always so great. But
0: no. anyway, well. As I decide what my last song is going to be, because I'm torn between like three different songs right now, now that you've done this documentary, and hopefully you're still a fan of ska music after this, (laughs) because I'm sure when you're working on this project, you're like, I don't want to listen to another ska song for the rest of my life, but what do you see happening with the scene? What do you like about the scene now? Do you still see, is there a scene up in, where are you, Oregon?
2: I'm in Oregon. uh Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a small town in Oregon and there is not a scene. I've been trying for five years to put together a ska band and I can't find more than three people who have heard of it so and I play trumpet so if you're gonna have a three piece yeah. band and one of the instruments <laughs> is trumpet, you're not gonna get very far. but yeah. uh, I see I, I think it's actually really beautiful the way right now you're seeing a lot of these third wave veteran bands that are still playing kind of helping to usher in this Mm -hmm. new generation of all these bands there's so many good bands right now and i it's just incredible and i think also like through the internet through these communities um online and especially right now because we can't go to ska shows and we can't go dance which is the way this music is supposed to be Enjoy yeah. it is live and in a room with hundreds of other people who also love it, but you see like people collaborating and doing videos and doing these, you know, oh this band's teaming up with this band and we're doing this thing and it's just I think that's it's a beautiful thing about the ska community is that it's really, you know, these musicians are helping each other out. We're all in the ska scene together. We've always been this underdog, you know, genre, mm-hmm. right? So we have this sense of like kind of the ska scene is us versus all the other, you know, country pop and rock and reggae. It's yeah, ska sometimes. versus everybody. It's yeah, ska exactly. versus everybody, right? So um, it's it's great to see that happening. And until we were all on lockdown, it was really the live shows, the seeing those pick up and seeing them start to yeah. get more and more people at them and people finding that experience because there's nothing like a live ska show, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can listen to these songs yeah. on a mixtape all day long, but until you're in that room with, you know, nine people up on stage playing their hearts out, it's like, you're not going to get it. Um, and so I can't wait for that to come back. And you know, that's the future. The future is bright. The future is strong. And there's so many young people getting into it now. And you know, I hear from people with the movie and they're like 20 years old. And they're like, I love this. And I didn't know about all this stuff. And, I want to start a band. How do I do it? And I'm like, that that's why we made the movie. <laughs> this is exactly yeah. the right way. And, and,
1: and that's the real trick right there, right? Yeah. It's like, how do you start a band? What does it look like? You know, you yeah. might not have access to horn players. Yeah. So you guys are going to do something different, which is amazing. You yeah.
2: know, Yeah. And you're seeing all that different, you know, blending of genres and things like that. And also, you know, you could start a ska band via the internet now. And if you get enough YouTube views, then you go on tour. I don't know. It's a yeah, different yeah, world. Right.
0: Totally.
1: Well, you know, awesome. oddly enough, a lot of bands are now are are YouTube channels. That's basically all it is. Let's say, you know, we're, uh, my band Bobby Bambi doesn't have a release. We don't have an album because we're in a time where, as much as I love it, and I would love to have one, and the other members of the band would love to have one, it doesn't make sense to have one. You know, it's it's easier for us to release videos and give our music away and and get and get eyes that way. You know, and and so, but I I got to piggyback on what you're saying. It's really great to see the collabs that are happening. Uh, you know, uh, with, uh, like uh, our singer Talina did something with cat bite, uh, uh, and half past two. And <clears throat> I, it's pretty amazing to see all these, all these different, uh, all these different bands come together and kind of use COVID as a springboard, right. which is great. Cause you, you used know, so. to see
2: that too, like at the live shows at the end of the real big fish, less than Jake show, you better believe every horn player is up on stage for some song oh, yeah. or another yeah. and every right. guitar player and every singer. And so this is just the digital version of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Of, right, of when sure. the boss tones play impression that I get and everybody's on stage.
1: Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause they all know it, you know, everybody, everybody knows it. <laughs> it was all part of their, you know, that lesson Jake really put it, put it together. Well, where they're like, look, we don't have to write any more new songs. We have enough of a catalog that's built up around enough people's memories or we could tour for the rest of our lives. But We don't want to do that. You know, but I was thinking about that. I'm like, wow, that is so true. These bands have such a catalog that, you know, the, oh, the first time I met my girlfriend, we were eating at a Del Taco. And afterwards, we made out in the backseat to, you know, Hell Rockview or, or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and those stories are common. You know, it's really great. But uh, anyway, Julie, you have your song still, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I still haven't figured it out. But oh, okay, gotcha. No, <laughs> no, no. She's over no, no. there
1: doing the Yeah, I can see her. We're on the Zoom meeting, guys, and so I can see her like with her head down. It looks like she's taking a test over there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no pressure. So
0: I think like I, I wanted people to know about, you know, the mainstays of the band of the scene. So I want to play HEPCAP but we've played HEPCAP before on this show, I believe. So yeah, we I'm gonna play a band that i love and i don't think got talked about a lot um in the scene or you know i never got to see them live just because by the time i was allowed to go to shows a lot of the scene had died out so i wasn't able to see a lot of the bands that i liked but um we're gonna play pushover okay who we mentioned meal ticket earlier the boys from meal ticket went on to form this band and uh I love them. They're so well put together and they're such good musicians. And they straddle that like late 90s, early 2000s pop punk sound that was kind of going around, like with the Impossibles and the stereo. But yeah. they had like a horn section too. And so this is um, Everyone, Everything, and it's just a good song. I know you've been thinking too. Reactions. Yeah, I, I
1: like Pushover <laughs> quite a bit. I think they were really good, and, and I like that after Gen-I left Meal Ticket, they still did it, and they went out and did mm-hmm. it. And they kind of remind me of a, almost like an MXPX with horns, sort of. Yeah, you they, know, they, totally. Uh, I hadn't really, really cool. heard
2: them much, but that what you just played, it sounded to me like transition-era RX Bandits. Like, yeah, exactly. between yeah, right. ska rx bandits and prog rock rx bandits there was yeah, that right. sound and it's i yeah. love it i love that sound and i love the impossibles and all that kind of
0: mm-hmm.
2: ska but drive-through record z kind right exactly do, yeah do you exactly. know
0: like my face when i saw the impossibles pop up on that in the film like i it was such a delight to see them in there just um That was, that was like
2: for me, like they're one of my favorites that people don't associate with Scott. Oh no, I, dude,
1: I, I actually really liked the impossibles back in the day. Uh, those guys, another band called animal chin that was really big. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's super cool. A lot, a lot of cool. I mean, dude, you only have so much time, right? And yeah, (laughs) which, which brings me to this. Uh, we went through our entire playlist didn't play the Aquabats once, and did not play Voodoo Glow Skulls once. So we've got a segment called near misses. So here's the bite for that near misses. Near misses. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So near Mike. misses, near misses for me, the Aquabats and Voodoo for sure. anybody else have any other near misses?
0: Um, I wanted to play Forces of Evil because mm-hmm. I really liked okay. them. Yeah. They were fun. Yeah. And Edna's Goldfish. I love Edna's, Edna's Goldfish. Goldfish. Was, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. And I love that Real Big Fish plays. A, I think. Veronica Sawyer. They play uh, Edna's Goldfish song in their set now. Yes. So I it's a weird band, but I love them.
1: No, they're a great band though. Yeah. Slow Gherkin as well. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. Mad you know, Caddies for me. Oh the caddies, yeah. I love oh, the yeah. See, there's so many. I mean we Muster, can go on and on. Yeah. Mustard. Oh yeah, M U three thirty. Listen, I, mean, I on, could just you?
2: read the back of the D V D. And yeah, I can exactly. tell you everyone we forgot.
1: <laughs> and so this is why we're telling you, if you want to hear any of these bands, there's a DVD that Taylor has.
2: <laughs> and a vinyl soundtrack coming soon. All right, well, let's, awesome. allow a little, let's
1: allow a little space for those songs to be played. And it goes right here. Representatives in the front, all the dancers in the back. They came the opener, they put you on the back. Mommy, Dan, Daddy, Don, waiting in the car. Another late night, and we're
0: playing after the road. Like the sugar your Alcoholic the bar feeling little the We're on the stage and they the full of brew.
2: songs that you just yeah seriously uh
1: so taylor what's coming next man what's up for you i know you've got the last blockbuster do you want to talk about that about the other film
2: uh sure yeah i was i started that movie before the ska documentary and it's taken this long to finish it uh and it was supposed to come out earlier this year but something happened where movie theaters weren't really a thing oh yeah anymore so we're (laughs) really excited actually today we announced our world premiere which is later this month at a drive-in movie theater oh uh, very cool here in central i love that Oregon. those are coming back yeah you know? and it seemed fitting like we have a movie about renting movies from a time before and showing that mm-hmm. at a drive-in theater just feels right yeah um and that should hit some kind of digital platforms later this year we're still figuring that out but you can see the trailer at last blockbuster movie.com
1: now did you guys get a lot of run from that from i i I'm a, a, a avid watcher of John Oliver, and I know he made he brought up Russell Crowe's cod piece thing and all that stuff. It, what was that all about? Did that end up? Did you guys end up getting any run from that?
2: Yeah, that's that's uh, in the movie we cover that from from the perspective of this last remaining Blockbuster Video store here in Oregon. But while we were filming the movie, we started out there were 12 Blockbuster videos left, and over the last uh, four years, it's gone down to one, and yeah. it's right here in the town I live in. But when there were still two, John Oliver sent a bunch of Russell Crowe memorabilia to the one in Alaska to try to keep them open. Uh, It did not work. Uh, (laughs) They closed anyway. Turns out Russell Crowe memorabilia is not enough of a draw to keep a blockbuster video open. (laughs) Who would have tried? tried. Uh, But actually all that memorabilia ended up here in Oregon at the store here, which is, you know, a pretty cool And the store is still open then. I mean, spoiler alert for the end of the documentary, but anyone who has Google I didn't know that. (laughs) No, no, no. They are still open. They are still open and it's it's pretty cool. I'm I'm pretty proud to be living in the town that has the last Blockbuster video in the world in it.
0: I love it. It should be on the the town's name, you know, when you drive into the Right,
2: home of
1: Blockbuster video. Yeah. Home of the last blockbuster. <laughs> totally. That's awesome. We yep. could do it in the last starfighter font. And, like do that. It'd oh, yeah. uh, be super cool. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think, I think that was pretty awesome. I don't know. Do we have anything else we need to discuss or? You, uh,
0: you? yeah, let's talk about, um, the back to the future. Oh yes. 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 I missed yeah. it
1: twice now. Jeez. Oh, I missed yeah. it. it
2: well, it's, <laughs> it's up on YouTube. You just search for, we called it project 88. And, um, what we did is when quarantine first started a hundred years ago and we all didn't know what to do with the (laughs) free time we had um, creative people especially like me all the film shoots shut down everything i could do slowed down and so we tried to think of something fun we could do and what i did is i got uh you know started with just my facebook friends and and whatnot but it kind of spread worldwide pretty quickly i had Back to the Future Part 2 broken into 88 different scenes and people did shot-for-shot remakes using just stuff around the house and shooting it with their phone or whatever they had. I mean, some high-end filmmakers and animators also did clips, but we did the entire movie um, in that exact way in one week and then premiered it online. And uh, it's pretty cool. A A lot of people had a lot of fun making it and people enjoyed watching it too. We actually had... Cameos from some people who are in the original Back to the Future 2 movie. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Rad. Yeah. It's really cool. That's fun.
1: really cool. Well, and so that just came up just from COVID, like just being at home and hanging out.
2: Yeah. I get um, frustrated if I can't work on creative projects. So I just make stuff up. Uh, that's why I'm always working on two or three feature films at a time. But uh, awesome. yeah, when things shut down, I think creative people just have to keep creating you know you see it with music you see everybody just putting art out into the world because we need it you know it's uh yeah for sure it's the only thing keeping a lot of us afloat so
1: (laughs) yeah very well said for sure absolutely well um so there's the long in the can the long-awaited third wave sky episode we've been waiting for like a year to do this third wave sky episode no joke it's been a long time so uh but uh, I'm I'm really stoked, man! Thank you so much again yeah, thank for you doing for being, this.
2: Yeah, oh, thanks for having me. It was so fun to talk about ska music with people who like ska music. That doesn't happen right. as often as it should.
1: Yeah, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. So no, doubt. Sure. no doubt. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. But yeah, so please, everybody, go go look up on YouTube uh, Project 88. Uh, please go and either if it's if it's on uh, Prime, watch the uh, the ska movie, or better yet, buy it just buy and download it and that'd be amazing to support uh, in that way as well
0: now's is the time more than ever to support artists yes and whenever you and can
1: if you're ever curious about what taylor looks like you'll see him in there you'll see me in there you'll see people mm-hmm. in there it'll be great um and then uh if you uh if you are so inclined as well the lack, the last blockbuster just you know what what, what site can, do you have a uh, a site where people can go just to keep in touch with you taylor
2: uh, I mean, I'm on Instagram is probably the, the place where we keep in touch with people. I'm at Pop Motion Pictures. Um, and there's an at Ska movie and an at Last Blockbuster movie and all that, that nonsense. I don't know how to do this. Do people have dot coms anymore? What is, yeah, I, I have no idea. I, I, I we have a dot com
1: and I can't figure out how to do the store on it. So right. my band doesn't make any money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, well, that was really awesome. Thanks again yeah, for joining us. Yeah, this was good. And Julie, have anything you need to plug,
0: uh, no, just, uh, sorry, that was my dog. Just, uh, donate $10, get a mixtape. We'll make you a, a we'll make you a ska mixtape. We'll make you you perfect. Yeah.
1: Whatever. somebody calls up and they want a new romantic mixtape, we're going to put our heads together, but we'll figure it out.
0: Someone. (laughs) So as of recording, we have about, it sounds, we have eight cassettes, which is way more than I expected ever. Um, (laughs) But it's it's a lot of fun. But someone requested um a deep dive into New Wave, but like obscure new wave. So I don't know. You're married
1: to the guy, babe. You I know. are married to the guy. I know. <laughs> He'll know. He'll yeah, know. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna need his help on this one. But the topics people are coming up with are fun. So
2: Can I request awesome. a mixtape where It's like the ones I had and you have to record all the songs off the radio when they play, with the DJ talking (laughs) over the beginning. Pretty cool actually. Pretty cool. (laughs)
1: Where there's a piece of a commercial and then it cuts out and then yeah, yeah. And they fade
2: out the end too soon. (laughs) Right, when the yeah.
0: DJ is talking over the first like 10 seconds of the song because there's no one singing and you're just like, shut up. shut up. up. Dude, shut up. Yeah. I had a yeah. tape
2: for years that had uh, Beck's loser on it, but it had the DJ talking over it. And I thought that was part of the song. <laughs> like that was yeah. the only version I had.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, this is great. Uh, to keep, keep in touch with Mix Day Mix Day podcast. Follow us on Instagram. What's our, oh, we have that all at the end. And then yeah. uh and then it uh Bambi Bimey Bambi's got a video coming out uh in the next couple of weeks so stay cool. tuned for that on YouTube we'll release all of that as well. So other than that what a great time. Thanks yeah. Taylor for being here. Julia. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys Buh-bye. next time. Bye bye.
0: it up, Scott! in the 90s.
2: Clever and energetic. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can keep up with them. Uh, that's good music, though. Totally. happen. Nice.